Welcome to the Songtopsy Report, everyone, where we dissect bad, weird, strange, god-awful, make-me-want-to-die-on-a-weekly-basis music. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Uh, I'm Steve Trollinger. And I'm Nick Brigadier. Oh, you got me, Nick. I, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm Mike Russell. So weird to have the order thrown off. <laughs> yeah, I. you can't tell v- verbally. You can't tell auditorily. Audioly. Audioly. That is definitely the word. That's the adverb I want. (laughs) You can't tell, but I, Stephen Trollinger, am at the head of the so-called table right now. I think they can tell. You have this newfound, like, uh, air of I am in charge here! (laughs) Steve gets the slightest morsel of power. He's got Nick's seat. He's loving it. Uh, He's wearing a neo-fascist cap right now. (laughs) And I uniform. told you, hats are part of my shtick. <laughs> I have like five hats. Yes, we know. You're a prop comic. That's why you do podcasts. <laughs> so s- two weeks ago, I made mention of uh, the fact that Nick bitches so often about how he has to do all the work and he's got to do the research. and He's got to be at the head of the program. And I said, Nick, stop vomiting complaints <laughs> from forth your mouth. I will take the lead on an episode. And then you fucking cock-blocked me with a goddamn Kanye. Kanye, Kanye, opened, his, Kanye opened his mouth and dropped music, veritably ensuring what I wanted to do was not going to get done. I had a slight mental breakdown, whereupon I tore up my six pages of physical handwritten long-form notes. I saw them, yeah. Tiny little pieces. And then the next week, I couldn't put them together, so we had to do another user or a listener-submitted episode. You ran out of tape, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so I finally cobbled together a little tape and a lot of patience. Makes all the difference, Nick. Steve's personal catchphrase right there. <laughs> he used to do a lot of, a lot of uh, craft projects. And, and we're back, and I'm here, and I've got an idea. Also, I should mention, we can, our, our, our newfound partnership with Come Here Floyd. Yes. Come Here Floyd! Uh, a, uh, a, a, a variable treasure trove of uh, a bountiful amount of uh, information to be had on the indie music scene in the New York, New Jersey metro area. But there's a dark little corner of that website where uh, our podcast now resides, <laughs> where you can check out all the newest episodes and the archives. Gentlemen. Yes, sir. Steve. Gentlemen, I hope you brought your trapper keepers, because I'm about to take you to school. <laughs> I am so ready, Steve, because this is something you've just been itching to do. That's right, gentlemen. It's time for A Day at the Movies. Yay! Nick, when you cobble together this episode, I need you to come up with some sort of, like, Hollywood-esque sound effect for that. Okay. Just do it. Just imagine it's playing right now. Yeah, just a, it's playing right now in my head. Yeah, yeah but you can, like, talk and... Oh, I'm sorry, I was imagining it in my head. So, we talk about music a lot here. Um, and uh, On our music podcast. On our music podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we have a pattern wherein every time I want to die and or take the two of you with me, I require... Which you have tried several times. Yeah. Through, uh... At the end of the last episode, I choked Mike to nearly to death. And, and he was unconscious up until we started recording this episode. Yeah, it did. For this really... whole week, I've been nursing him in my bed. So... Uh, today I want to talk about movies and movie soundtracks. Mm. Music is such an integral part 
as we talked about during the Bond episode, of film. Yes. Um, to the point where the absence of music actually typically denotes something really seriously wrong happening in the movie. Um, we're not going to discuss that here, but that's no. just an observation. <laughs> yes. Uh, so today we're going to discuss three movies, uh, and uh, three movies near and dear to my heart, and weird, not, I wouldn't call them bad songs necessarily, but they definitely don't belong with the movies that they're Incongruous part. with the theme or Except for the, the last one. The last one fits, but in a, like but that's, a Cinderella slipper. Yeah, but that's just, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, so the first one I want to talk about, gentlemen, what is your experience with the film Lethal Weapon? Uh, <laughs> I know you hate it when I bring this up, Steve, but my last experience with Lethal Weapon was when it was on playing on, on loop in the psych ward of Bellevue Hospital. That's a weird <laughs> movie to put on loop at the psych ward of Bellevue Hospital. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every single Lethal Weapon, just back to back to back. I, I, I don't know that a movie... That makes fun of <laughs> mentally unstable people. <laughs> mentally unstable people who are also violent and carry weapons are or are weapons. Yes. I don't know if that's a good thing to be putting on. Mentally with. unstable patients are the ultimate lethal weapon. <laughs> they yeah. have a real sick sense of humor in that place. I guess. Do you think that's what it was? Do you think there were there was some staffer that was laughing his ass off while they're playing lethal weapon on a permanent loop? <laughs> yeah. Was it just the first one or were they going through all of them? I was through all of them. Okay. But still, and it, and it might like have just twelve been, hours of lethal weapon. <laughs> it was like a lot of lethal weapon. <laughs> Though, in fairness, as the movies continue on, the the character of Martin Riggs, played by Mel Gibson, uh, does become less crazy. So, I guess they were just trying to showcase how a commitment to a career path and a commitment to family life will eventually pull you from your depths of madness not medication though no no, <laughs> no god forbid the antipsychotics. now the first movie uh starring, starring mel gibson and, and uh danny glover uh about uh anyone who has any information <laughs> anyone who doesn't know what the hell this movie's about it's about one cop who's crazy and the other cop is a family man and it is the ur example of the buddy cop film franchise this was the first and greatest and it Created a, a swath of imitators, uh, you know, from the mismatched buddy cop comedy, the Rush Hour movies, and all of that sort of thing. Love Rush Hour. Uh, but beyond that, I am primarily interested and have been interested in the movie franchise as a whole because of the music. Uh, the, it has a very specific musical tone. Uh, the, uh, the composer of the soundtrack, uh, Michael Kamen, uh, is a, what I like to call a heavy hitter. Uh, so he he uh, played baseball in his youth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so he, I'm surprised more people at large aren't familiar with him um, or his connections. Uh, Who's he, he connected born, to? He was born right here in New York City. Attended the High School of Music and Art, which used to be uptown in Hamilton Heights, but now is combined with the Fiorello LaGuardia School, uh, which Nick and I know of. Yes, and have seen. Uh, he went to school with uh, Martin Fulterman, a.k.a. Mark Snow, the composer of the X-Files theme. Um, you know. Ooh! Um, how's that? Do, 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 do. <laughs> That's close. It's like I was hearing an episode of the TV show. Um, I would hear you do a cover album of you doing soundtracks. Uh, no other instrumentation, just you with your voice doing the best approximation you can. <laughs> do, do, do. 
So Michael Kamen um, created for the first Lethal Weapon movie and for the subsequent Lethal Weapon movies a signature theme song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not just the the soundtrack or the score itself, but a song that went along with it. Now for Lethal Weapon 2, it was a badass um, uh, George... Uh, uh, oh shit, the Beatle. George... Harrison? Harrison. George Harrison song. Uh, for the third one, it was a badass Elton John and Sting song. For the first one, it was a song called Lethal Weapon. Ooh, I bet it's like a badass, like, hair metal, like, rocking song. When you lose your love And it makes your life turn cold <laughs> Um... When it tears you apart, your heart and soul just can't. I forgot that Lethal Weapon was a love story. Yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot it was like it was like a romantic kind of drama movie. I, I for some reason I remember like an action yeah. movie with like Gary Busey as a villain or something. Yeah, a movie that ends with a dramatic, like in the rain fight between crazy Mel Gibson and crazy Gary Busey. <laughs> like shirtless in the rain in a backyard just trying to murder each other on film for our entertainment. They actually didn't know that they were being filmed when that happened, and they just crafted the rest of the movie around that shirtless fight scene. <laughs> now, this song, this song uh, is, is the, the band uh, in question playing the song is a band called, is Canadian rock band. The best kind of rock. Oh, yeah. Nickelback is any indicator. hard rock band. Oh, that's... Uh, from Niagara Falls called Honeymoon Suite. So named because they come from Niagara, Niagara Falls, Falls, which is the ultimate honeymoon location. Honeymoon capital of the Western Hemisphere. Uh, also, this being Canada, their hard rock is kind of more like our American stadium rock. Yeah. So like Bon Jovi, that sort of thing. Now, much like we discussed with the Bond themes, do you think they knew what the plot was of Lethal Weapon? Do you think they saw any clips of it prior to recording the song? It it. It seems like they had to have known that, at the very least, the story was about a guy who whose wife died, and now he wants to off himself. And that's pretty much it. Which could have been the plot for a romantic drama. Yeah, but no, it's it's the movie Lethal Weapon. <laughs> you know, the movie, uh, this movie. Shut up! Yes or no? You want to die? Yes or no? I got the job done! What the I hell do you want? to answer the question! Oh, what do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet? Huh? Well, I do. I do. I even got a special one for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my goddamn head out. Do the job right. Every single day I wake up and I think of a reason not to do it. Every single day. <laughs> you know why I don't do it? This is going to make you laugh. You know why I don't do it? You love the job. Doing the job. Now, that's the reason. <laughs> and it makes your <laughs> life <laughs> turn cold. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> do you want to do it? Do you want to fucking kill yourself? Actually, can, can you get to the end of the chorus of the song? Because yeah. uh, the uh, the central motif that they use, uh, I think, is wrong. When it's gone, it's plain to see how he Yeah, it's, it's, 
the truly love is a lethal weapon i feel like in the movie firearms are the lethal weapon or mel gibson is mel gibson's bare hands are the lethal weapon have you never seen the movie lethal weapon I remember when uh, Wayne LaPierre, the head of the NRA, famously said, guns don't kill people, love kills people. <laughs> Referencing this Honeymoon Suite song. Yeah. And then as he, as he left and finished his speech, the song started playing. So I just, it's not a terrible song. It's not a terrific song, but it's not like what we usually cover. The problem I have forever, and I never knew this because this song doesn't actually play at any point in the movie the song plays the very end once the credits start rolling yeah and i just until like a couple years ago i never heard it i finally got the soundtrack for it because i love the soundtrack soundtrack is this great mix of uh uh, eric clap so um eric clapton who had worked with michael common uh he brought him on board to do uh riggs's theme so you have riggs and murtaugh played respectively by mel gibson and danny glover riggs has this really cool electric guitar like a little off bass but also a little sad theme and uh and the murtaugh character has this cool like saxophone uh that tells you sort of how tired he is of everything (laughs) nothing makes me think tired ex-cop like a sad saxophone oh i just want him to retire just goddamn too old for this shit (laughs) Followed by. Wow, someone with youthful, cool energy just came onto the scene. And probably a great mullet, too. Way past that mullet was fashionable, too. Like, way into the mid to late 90s. It was a good character choice. So you have Eric Clapton, electric guitar, uh, David Sanborn on saxophone, um, who himself worked with uh, David Bowie on the Young Americans album. Um, and they crafted what I uh, what I've always loved about the 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 this is is just this pitch perfect char- like two strings of character pieces, one led by the guitar and one led by the saxophone. And throughout the entire movie series, they weave in and out of each other as they crisscross each other's lives. I've thought way too much about this, and <laughs> I know that, but I like to think that was intentional on their part. So when I got the soundtrack thinking the very first track, I'm going to start hearing some of that sweet, sweet goodness. And instead, all I hear is... When you lose control You scare yourself sometimes Ooh, scared. <laughs> when you really don't care yeah. it, it just, it, I, that's the first track. The first track is that. And so I just like the fact, like the fact that I, because I came into this thinking, okay, well, they just the pro- the producers they wanted a, like a feel good, weird, stupid like '80s song to play, you know, like whatever. But he wrote he wrote the music he wrote the music I just played for you. He wrote the like the cool electric guitar. He wrote that with fucking Eric Clapton, and then he decided, you know what's pitch perfect for this tapestry I've just woven. Fucking understand. Shake your life in your own hands. Indeed, love can become a Now, but think about it, Steve. Think about, you know, the love these guys had for each other, the love this man had for his dead wife, the love that man has for his family is the reason that they fight so hard. 
And the reason they kill so many people because <laughs> they, <'cause> they do. <laughs> yes. They kill scores. Many of people. people die. So many people. But it's all out of love, man. It's all out of love. So Steve, are you saying that um great musicians selling out for a pop rock track is a lethal weapon? No! I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I mean, if we're if our podcast is is to dissect songs that died, they would have had to encounter a lethal weapon at some point. Look, I'm Mike. I'm not saying Nick. You're so smart. I'm not saying that Mike is wrong. That is obviously what this song is about. Yeah, there was a better vehicle. There had to. He was working with Eric Clapton on the score. (laughs) Eric Clapton. He's allowed to have bad days too. Okay. And they and they were like, you know who we should get. A quote hard rock and quote Canadian band. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that was my whole problem. He just like you heard that list, right? Of, yes. of people he's worked with. Yes. Like oh, yeah. Queen. Queen. The I've heard of them. Queen yeah. is the king of creating awesome songs for movie soundtracks. You're saying Queen isn't the queen of queen. awesome songs? Thank you, Queen. I'm sorry. Thank you for being woke for me. Queen <laughs> is the queen of writing. Like, the whole Highlander album yeah. was just, they just did an album, and they're like, yeah, I think this fits with the movie we just made. Let's just have the album be the be the, be yeah. the soundtrack. And fucking, uh, dum, 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 flash! Ah! <laughs> Savior of the universe! Like, that whole album, come on. You worked yeah. with Queen, and who's just, I just couldn't, I did research. I couldn't figure out who made the decision to go with... <laughs> That's the last thing love was ever meant to do. But it won't stop us from doing it throughout the movie. You know, maybe, maybe he had a friend of a friend who had a family member in that band. And he's like, you know what? You know what? All right, all right. Yeah, let's, we'll let you make the track. We'll just play it at the credits. It won't even be in the movie, but it'll be in the credits. And then, he'll, you know, he'll get, some, he'll get his band some recognition. We met this great band while we were on our honeymoon in Niagara Falls, and we thought they'd be perfect for the soundtrack. But that decision was a lethal weapon. All right, I think How you... many more you got left in there, Nick? No, we're moving on, because I'm tired of him doing that. <laughs> I've hit I've hit my I've hit my limit. Your, your quota of my quota of lethal weapon jokes. Uh so moving on. Yes. Uh my uh my next selection is another uh di- uh Richard Donner directed film. You may have heard of it. It's a little film from 1978 called Superman. 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 Um so Superman for I can't believe I have to explain this for those who don't. Yes, know, for those who don't know, is a film from 1978 directed by Richard Donner, produced by uh, uh, Ilya Salkind, um, and it is the uh, the the spark that lit the flame of the slow burn of the superhero movie extravaganza that we're currently living through. Nobody up until that point thought they were good for anything but cartoons and like maybe back in the 40s a movie serial. So this was the first time you. A superhero movie was made, and despite the amount of camp that we might see in it from our point of view today, was a serious take on the subject material. Yeah. Like, they didn't go ape shit and go like, yeah, he's not from Krypton, he's from, like, uh, he's from Queens. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. 
I want to see you, Steve, reenact the pitch meeting for Superman. Yeah, like, uh, let's just make him from Queens or something. Yeah. What we Call him Super Dude. <laughs> super, Super Dude. Oh. He shoots, uh, shoots lasers out of his eyes. Yeah, he shoots uh, fucking lasers out of his <laughs> eyes or something. I drives a sweet-ass car. <laughs> what, but he can fly. Not, oh, yeah. Who can believe a man can fly? Nobody. He drives a sweet-ass car. Let's his just... cars fly. That's yeah. the only yeah. thing. Yeah, see, chitty, chitty, bang, bang. It's like that. <laughs> uh, now, Superman had uh, a, a, a very famous uh, score as well, done by, the, uh, by, by John Williams. One of the uh, one of if not the greatest film composer of our time. Yes, I don't even know if I need to tell people the the amount of movies that he's done super recognizable scores for anything by Steven Spielberg for the most part. Yep. Um, but what you may not know is that uh, John Williams has this weird sort of bugaboo where when he does certain movies, he'll write music for a song with lyrics. Everyone knows him from just scores, but he does these songs too. For instance, his friends try to stop him. Yeah. No. For instance, um, originally when uh, they were uh, working on the movie Hook, the movie Hook was originally a movie musical. Really? Oh, I, I would have liked that. They wrote like he wrote the music for eight songs, a couple of which actually ended up in the movie. Now, his collaborator on these is a gentleman, an English gentleman by the name of Leslie Bricuse. Uh, Leslie Bricuse uh, is known for a couple of things. He wrote songs for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, wow. He wrote songs for Victor Victoria, Dr. Doolittle, um, the song uh, Feeling Good, which was you know by Nina Simone. How's and that Michael Bublé did it. You know, like, uh, uh, shit. Uh, look it up, Mike. <laughs> I didn't, obviously I didn't. Yeah, this is a listener that. homework assignment. Oh. Uh, 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 <laughs> birds flying high. You know how I feel. You know that one? Oh, Sun yeah. in the sky. You know how I feel. That one. Uh, he wrote Ooh, a little song. Yeah, tingles. Good. He that. wrote a little song called Goldfinger. Goldfinger. He wrote those lyrics. And he was the lyricist of one of Nick and mine's unironically favorite musicals, Jekyll and Hyde. He was the lyricist. Nick, you are smiling like an asshole right now. So the world obviously. has gone insane! <laughs> so you obviously found this out. So he uh, has worked with John Williams. And as what became a recurring theme in his career, wrote lyrics for songs composed by John Williams that then never got used for the film. So he was great at writing the best song lyrics that nobody heard. <laughs> a couple of, like, uh, from Home Alone, Somewhere in My Memory... Somewhere in my memory. I didn't know there were lyrics dun, to that. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. There's lyrics to these things. But so, Steve, I, can I assume that something similar happened for the movie Superman? No. No, I just. Okay. To talk cool about story. This. So, moving on. <laughs> so, <clears throat> there's a lot. Obviously, everyone knows the Superman march. I'm sorry if this whole episode is me just talking for no for an extended period of time. It is. Uh, so the uh, is the Superman march, dun 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 dun, dun, dun you know, yep. the big three note theme. Uh, so he wrote another uh, a theme called the love theme that I is near and dear to my heart. Oh, is this the one that Lois Lane and where he's yeah he so Superman and Lois Lane are taking a flight through the night sky uh, after the uh, famous interview that she gives. Yeah, in his fucking car. <laughs> So just a beautiful piece of yes. music. Very lovely. That 
perfectly encapsulates the feeling of weightlessness and flying through the air and, and sort of like feeling both protected and helpless at the same time. Ooh. So this had lyrics. What? So, yeah. So apparently, so not apparently, during the initial, the first cut of this song, uh, they had kept in the movie uh, a spoken word version, um, which is spoken by the uh, by the actress who plays Lois Lane in that film uh, by the name of um, Margot. Mar- yeah, Margot Kidder, by the name of Margot Kidder, who yesterday, as I was preparing the notes for this episode, passed away. Yeah. So, Mike. R.I.P. Mike, look at me. Looking at she st- passed away yesterday. So very sad. It's very sad. And she was the lowest lane for a generation. So she did a lot of good horror movies as well. And she's in a lot of good horror movies. So you're going to watch your ass <laughs> if we want to keep any I'll, of this. I'll give her of the utmost respect to good old Margot. Hey, I loved Lois Lane. I thought it was a great character, you know? She was the most OP superhero. So this is a little song called Can You Read My Mind? Can you read my mind? (laughs) That's the song. Oh, can he? I forget if he can read minds. Do you know what it is that you do to me? So, in the original, uh, the original idea was that Margot Kidder would sing the lyrics written by Leslie Percuse over the music played by John Williams for this scene mm-hmm. to encapsulate the feelings that I mentioned before. Helplessness, crit, yes. Yeah, so uh, and it, that idea was abandoned, and instead she was given to her to do a spoken word over it, essentially. Okay. She shatters it. Yeah. Um, Can you read my mind? Uh, which also, after the, uh, didn't necessarily play that well. Uh, Richard Donder liked it and kept it in the movie, and then a subsequent like television uh, uh, cuts would cut that out really? entirely because wow. most people didn't care for it. Well, yeah. Now the reason it's why little, it's a little awkward. Yeah, the reason I bring well, she probably should have sang it right with that. Well, what well, they, well, what they ended up having what ended up having is they ended up having a, a, a singer and Broadway actress by the name of Maureen McGovern who became uh, famous for, in the early 70s, for recording theme songs for movies. She did the theme song for uh, The Poseidon Adventure, which was called The Morning After. She did the... the... I thought it was Can You Sink My Ship. (laughs) 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 All right, all right, smartass. She did the theme song for the uh, disaster movie The Towering Inferno. Can You Burn My Tower? (laughs) And her career kind of fizzled after that, but she was... Can You Rebound My Career? It was, Keep setting them up, man. Keep was, setting them up. It was brought back when she was asked to in 1976 to record "Can You Read My Mind," an actual singing version of it. Yes. Now, uh, uh, here, and here's a little bit of that. Names on his chest. Just isn't it? a friend <laughs> from another star. Okay, so I, the whole reason I brought this up for the episode was because 
It's kind of overwrought. It's not a terrible... Again, these are not necessarily terrible songs, but they are weird and strange. Yeah. And ah. having not gotten... Oh, you disagree, Mike? Ah. I have You're, you're got, pretty shitty, Brandon. This poor I, lady, she's sending her heart out to Superman. I think it's beautiful. Can you cut her a break? <laughs> yeah. I I bring it up because essentially, and we'll get into more lyrics in a second, this is quite literally, I don't know how they did it, but they wrote a song that is literally about a love song to Superman. <laughs> Like it's not a quite metaphor. a challenge. It's not a metaphor. It's yes. not like she's actually wondering if Superman can, Wait, has telepathic powers. Can he fucking read my mind? Well, I think that's a reasonable question. You know what I mean? This man, this man can fly. This man has ice breath. This man has eye lasers. This man gets most. He eats the sun. Like that's what powers him up. He just hangs that outdoors all day, and he's he fine. He's a plant person. <laughs> but, but mo- most great love songs aren't predicated on reasonable questions. He's bulletproof. I mean, listen. Bulletproof sounds like that's a great name for a power ballad you could do about Superman. Yo, do you guys ever um do you guys ever I I get Lois Lane. I get her. Yeah, sometimes I'm like sitting on the subway and I look around and I'm like, I wonder which person could read my brain thoughts right now. And you just send them out. You're like, yo, can you read my mind right now? Can you? Because okay. I'm looking at you. What's up? What's so, up? So here's what's Oh, God, here's what's really sad about that is I have also wondered that while I was on the subway from time to time. Never occurred to me. I'm just a blank slate when I get in the train. I All will, thoughts escape my head will, until I see my stop, and then I get off, and then I start thinking again. I will occasionally have moments where I say something in my head that is not a good thing to say, and I immediately get paranoid because people could be telepaths. I don't know. You wouldn't know. There's a large amount of people in this world Anything can happen. Maybe someone on the subway train can read my mind. So I always say in my mind after I've said whatever stupid, terrible thing I've said is, if anyone here is reading my thoughts, I apologize. This is a thing I do on a daily basis. <laughs> she was making me feel way less crazy now. No, I am more crazy. That is, But the, you're crazy you're, together, and that's the important crazy. part. I am more crazy. <laughs> it's not a thing we should be having to do. You know, you just you just you think out a little. My bad, and everything's fine, right? I mean, you can think whatever you want. God, I could kill this person next to me right now and totally get away with it. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I bet this is the song they play at the annual NSA convention. No. <laughs> Not yet. I. It's just. Oh. It's a song about. It's a love song about Superman. It's like someone did that. Someone wrote a song from the position of a human woman to falling in love with an alien super being, and they didn't think to just sort of like dress it up in anything. They're just like, eh, it, Leslie Percuse, I guess. Eh, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he can fly. I do. Let's do a lyric about him shooting lasers out of his eyes. Um, Like a little girl shivering, you can see right me. Oh, X-ray vision eyes. Yeah, I disagree. That almost works on a metaphorical level and a literal level. But it's stupid. <laughs> well, that's highly subjective. It's dumb. Like, for the longest time, all I ever heard was the John Williams 
love theme from Superman part without any words. Yeah. And it was just, it always made me feel better. And then I found out there were lyrics, and they were the dumbest lyrics. <laughs> How come Superman wasn't a doctor? You know what I mean? He could cauterize wounds with his laser eyes. He's got x-ray vision. He could, like, he could just see things if you got something wrong with you. You know what I mean? I think he would have served the the planet. Uh, what, where where did he live? Earth. Earth. Oh, yeah. He lives on planet. <laughs> no, Earth? no, no, no. But the city, the globe. Oh, you, Metropolis. Metropolis. Do yeah. you need me to continue on further in the song? Because I'm pretty sure at some point they talk about the fact that he's from another planet, but was born on Earth. Well, I'm not so. The thing that threw me off at first was I honestly, after I, I heard the song for the first time, I was trying to remember. Wait. Can Superman read minds? Like, is that actually a power he has? Because I watched six seasons of Smallville. I watched the Batman Superman adventures growing up. I'm familiar with the basic ones, the laser eyes, the flying, the kryptonite, all that stuff. So I tried to research uh, if he actually could read minds. And apparently in some of the older the golden, silver, age, silver age. Are you about to are you about to tell me about super ventriloquism? Well, no, super ventriloquism was another talent he had, which I could go into at depth. <laughs> but um, no, on the note of telepathy. They, sh- they showed just two panels from an old Superman comic, and I want to describe them to both you and the listeners, because um, I think this would have made a much more interesting subject for a song. So, it- in these two panels, Superman is flying through the sky, and also, on the other side, there's a whole bunch of animals. There's a horse, um, a dog, a cat, and a monkey wearing Superman capes. I don't know why they are, but they're flying as well. And Superman is thinking, wait, here comes the Legion of Super Pets returning from a mission in space. Prody 2 isn't with them. He's probably on assessment, uh, on assignment uh, in his own era. And then the next panel, uh, Superman and all the animals, uh, I'm showing them a picture, have oh, all landed. you don't need to. I oh, know. I'm sure, yes, I'm sure you have a there's mint streak- copy of there's this. There's Streaky the Super Cat. There's the Super Horse. Who's the monkey? What is the monkey named? I actually Super Monkey. I'm actually not sure of the name of the Super Monkey. So Superman and all these super animals land, and the horse thinks, thinks, there's a thought bubble. Hi, Superman. As you know, I can talk with you mentally. Saturn Girl gave the others temporary telepathic powers to accomplish a vital mission so they can communicate too. And then Superman thinks back, good. Then read my mind and you'll hear some exciting news. Now, yes, first o- off, only the super horse had telepathy. <laughs> only the super horse. It now, makes little to no sense for the other super animals to have telepathy. So, w- when they pose the hypothetical question, "Can you read my mind?" This is the only reference we have to where he he and some super animals wearing capes were able to think thoughts back and forth. But they had temporary super te- temporary telepathy, tempathy, so that they can do a conversation with him. Nick, you are sweating profusely. I, right this now. is blowing my goddamn mind. Can you blow my mind? That's what the song should have been called. Yeah, Superman um didn't really have any so it, when this film came out in the 70s, it was d- deep in the what's called the silver age of comics where you could just make stuff up because everyone who was writing comics, especially Superman comics at the time, were like, "These are these are thing these are co- picture books for children." So, yeah, in this uh, in this like one off uh, thing, Lois Lane gets hit with a. There's one comic where Lois Lane gets hit with a race changing ray and becomes a black woman for a day. Oh, that oh, well, that happened like... to what's her name? Yeah, I was just like... <laughs> they did a Netflix documentary on her. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Certainly, oh, I Rachel, don't, certainly Rachel, I don't want to talk oh, about God. this right now. What's her name? Oh, I just saw a meme about her. It was Can hilarious. Can you change my race? I think it was I am. I think the, the 
the title of the issue was I Am Furious Black or something. <laughs> or no, I Am Curious Black. That's what it was. I Am Curious Black? Yeah, Lois, like a curious George that, knockoff. That, that is like, oh, God, I can't do that. There wow. There <laughs> certainly was a simpler time. There was one where she gets hit by a ray that makes her a fat chick for a week. Um, and it's Superman. she's worried that Superman won't marry her because she's fat now. Well, she brings up a compelling point. Superman has always said no fatties. No fatties. <laughs> it's right there on the front door of the Fortress of Solitude. It's like rule one, no fatties. Rule two, uh, no Batmans. <laughs> Can Yo, you lose some weight? So hold up. So now Superman. Now super, who who hooks up with Wonder Woman? Is it Batman or Superman? Well, and how it does, depends. <laughs> she's her own independent woman. She doesn't need. Yeah, yeah, Mike. What do you mean? Who hooks up with Wonder Woman? Who does Wonder Woman hook up with? Uh, yeah, the question. I. Uh, you know what? You guys are so right. You whole oh, wow. <laughs> This is the feminist side of the table over here, Mike. I, let me tell you who Wonder Woman hooks up with, Mike. Anyone she fucking wants to hook up with. But how's Lois Lane feel th- about that? That's all I'm wondering. She had a three-way with truth and liberty. Lois Lane is a secure, independent woman, Mike. She doesn't need to worry about what her man is up to with Wonder Woman. All right? She just needs to worry if he can read her mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what she's worried about. Or if she's gained any weight. Or is black now. <laughs> Hashtag yep. just girly things. Yo, do you think? I almost certainly don't, but go on. <laughs> I wish I could read your mind. No. What happened to these rays? There's a lot of rays. Did Superman? <laughs> yes. Did There's Superman a lot of rays. Like, keep them like in his bedroom closet or whatever. When and he then, wants like, to get freaky. When he's like, oh, yo, let's mix it up tonight. I'm, I'm feeling some Latina action. All right. Boom. All right. <laughs> Yeah, screw being a doctor, like you said. That's the true utilization of his powers. So he can feel like he's with a whole bunch of different women while still technically being with Lois. Collecting mad scientist rays in his garage. I just keep them in jars. I think it's like basically picking out what food you want for the evening. I'm thinking Chinese for the evening. What do you say, Lois? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Steve! You, you, you feminists just compared women to take out food. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> All right, I think we've plumbed the depths of that one. I think it's exactly what the songwriters had in mind. So yeah. Uh, so our final. Yeah, let's go. Entry. Let's end on the classiest note we possibly can. So our final entry, um, you two are slightly more familiar with, I'm sure, based on the fact that you did this as a. As a proto-episode. Yes, so yeah. the, the next song we're doing is actually an unaired pilot episode that just Mike and I did as a test run, uh, but this was still, God, quite a while ago. Yeah, However, like a year ago. Um, I, still have not, a year. I still have not seen the movie in question that this song... You haven't seen the... the, the hold on, hold on. Let's just start off, let's start, start off an audience with, let's see if they can guess. Gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound. Okay, so this is that seminal feel-good hit from 1991, Ninja Rap, by one Vanilla Ice. 
I, I and I, I don't know if I felt this way during the prototype episode, but I bet I'd, I love this song, man. I am unsurprised by <laughs> this, this revelation. This was great. This, oh my god! And like when the. When it comes up in the movie and it's a live performance by Vanilla Ice and the Ninja Turtles are battling like the giant like baby monsters, like oh my god, it was awesome! And they got the fire babies, <laughs> damn babies. Oh. <laughs> so a little background, Vanilla Ice. We're not gonna go too deep into it because I'm pretty sure we're gonna do Vanilla. On, we're gonna do Ice on another episode. Yes. Oh yeah. Vanilla Ice born Robert Van Winkle in Dallas, Texas, is a rapper, musician, and motocross champion. Oh, I didn't know that. After breaking his ankle during a motocross race, he abandoned the sport and began practicing his dance moves and writing lyrics. He had to put some Vanilla Ice on that. Can you read my mind, Mike? Ice, baby. Mike, can you read my mind right now? Oh, Steve. Oh, these thoughts, these thoughts you're saying are horrible. (laughs) Uh, He was dared by a friend to go to perform on stage at City Lights, a Dallas nightclub, and did so well. He was approached by the owner with an offer to perform there full time and did so opening for such acts as NWA, Public Enemy, and Tone Loke. Could you imagine going to an NWA concert with Vanilla Ice opening up? (laughs) How jarring that must have been for everyone in attendance. I don't think I want to imagine it. (laughs) He became a mainstream success with his song that I'm sure we'll cover eventually, Ice Ice Baby. That's a classic. I don't know why we'd ever have it on our show. Um, In this this one instance, he is partnering with uh, a, a group of individuals known as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, who, uh, created by independent comics creators, creators, Kevin Eastman and Kevin Laird, as a parody of the four most popular comics of the time, New Mutants, Frank Miller's run on Daredevil, his independent uh, comic Ronin, and Dave Sims' Cerebus, which is about an anthropomorphic uh, creature in a world with other anthropomorphic creatures. Wait, the Ninja Turtles is a parody? The Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are a parody, Mike. That superseded almost everything it was parody. I love the Ninja Turtles way more now, and I already love them a lot. You know what I mean? Because I'm a man, I love parody. And then I get, oh, that's the fact that they've been so, a parody this so whole new, time, new and Mutants, I had no idea. New Mutants was about teenage mutants uh, who were joining the X-Men. Teenage Mutants plus ninjas plus anthropomorphic uh, animals. Plus more ninjas. Plus vanilla ice. Plus vanilla ice equal the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Total parody. And as we all know, became a runaway hit spawning cartoons, comics, toys, and eventually movies. In 1990, the film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles became the highest grossing independent film of its time uh, and naturally spawned a sequel, The Secret of the Ooze. That I think that I, it's personally my favorite out of the three. <laughs> well, it toned down the darker elements of the first one, which was actually based on the original run of comics, uh, which was about like a city at war, um, and the turtles, you know, like from the shadows trying to save the city from ruthless gangs and things like that. And then the second one, uh, Jim Henson created the suits that the turtles wore. That was the Jim Henson shop. He was a little. Nervous about all the violence that occurred in the movie. So in the sequel, they toned down a lot of it, which is why if you go back and watch Secret of the Ooze, they don't use their weapons. The only one who does is, is Donatello, because his is not bladed. Oh, uh, oh yeah, Raph, Michelangelo doesn't even use the nunchucks. No, he uses wieners. Chil- because <laughs> children wanted nunchucks to beat their siblings with. <laughs> so yeah, he at one point just pulls down some wieners and fights people with those, and then he... Ne- they're Steve, strapped to Steve when you said pull time. down some wieners and then do this gesture... 
<laughs> uh, and then Mike just starts doing it over and over again like a child. Well, it's muscle memory fun. for him. Yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> I know you were in jail and you did what you had to do. So as 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 part of this attempt at a, a, a lighter, more child friendly direction, uh, they approached one. Uh, Robert Van Winkle, a.k.a. Vanilla Ice, to both perform the, a title track for the movie and perform it in the movie itself. But this yeah. was such a time capsule because literally the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' peak coincided with Vanilla Ice's peak. Like, they were meant for each other at that time and place. No other artist could have done this. Oh, you know, now all this <clears throat> makes me think there needs to be, we need to make a dark comedy action movie with the Ninja Turtles in the Jim Henson suits. Fuck that CGI bullshit where they're using their weapons and make it like like a Deadpool style, but with the two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I oh, think. Okay, Mike. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go get the... Let's, Talk to some producers we know. Let's go get all the rights back for the world, one of the world's largest multi-million, multi-billion dollar franchises and then do with it as we wish and make a rated R comedy out of it. Guaranteed success. Guaranteed. Guaranteed, Steve. We'll put uh, who's. We'll put. Who, I was gonna say who. What disgusting like rated R, uh, uh, SoundCloud rapper can we throw at the end there? We know so many. At no, this let's point. get six nine up in that. <laughs> Ninjas got your freaking sir. Oh, it's almost as if we did that already. <laughs> we already have the song. It's set, man. It's set. Just come full circle. So I have a question because I haven't seen the movie Secret of the Ooze, but I've seen You this. haven't seen Secret of I the Ooze? I have not seen Secret of the Ooze. You should be ashamed. We are having a movie night. We are totally having a movie night where we watch We just watch these three movies. Oh, we can order pizza because, like, you know, they eat pizza. Yeah, I get it, Mike. <laughs> but in the context of this scene is it supposed to be that vanilla ice was almost like freestyling like oh shit yeah i see the teenage ninja Turtles. Yeah. hey gang let's kick it and i'll just write a made-up song let's kick it that's his catchphrase right <laughs> so in the context of the movie it's the end of the movie the ninja turtles have been has been so they couldn't for whatever reason they couldn't use um bebop and rocksteady which were really famous in the in the animated show at the time so they had to come up with their own weird like anti-ninja turtle mutants to fight in this case uh toka and razor one is a snapping turtle and the other is a wolf um, how come they weren't able to use bebop and rocksteady there was something there was some uh, a legal thing was something legal was preventing them from doing it at the time uh, like it wasn't it wasn't totally owned by them it was there was some sort of shared power plan with the cartoon and the movie so they couldn't use them so they invented their own um uh, and uh throughout the movie they've been attempting to figure out how to beat them because they're much stronger than the turtles and they can't use their weapons which i'm sure makes it difficult it makes it very difficult <laughs> yes. when you can't use when they're like oh man we can't beat up these other mutants well leo why don't you just stab him you have two swords you have two of them swords are a lethal weapon <laughs> Look at all these ties. <laughs> um, no, I can't. I got to use my sword to like throw them in the ceiling and jump and up grab, and grab and on and do a and jump do a kick. kick. It's like, Raph, why don't Raph, you're angry and upset all the time and have two pointy weapons. Why don't you use those? Just stab him to death. No, oh, man, I got too much attitude for that. <laughs> Universal excuse. Yeah. Um, so they, they hit upon some sort of weird super science bullshit 
and but it's not working right, so they gotta like fight them in order to get like the serum they put into them. Oh, because they gave them the donuts, yes. right? They gave them the donuts, fight donuts, and then they had to freaking get the fire extinguishers to cool it down. Yes, so they they. <laughs> I'm dying to see this movie now. At this point, they had been operating under the shadows. This master splinter has taught them. Uh, and at this point, they are fighting on a dock somewhere, and they burst into this club that happened to be adjacent. And now, all of a sudden, people know there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they're fighting a bunch of weird monsters, and to calm everyone in the club down, our hero, Vanilla Ice... Thank you for not saying the turtles. <laughs> Vanilla Ice is the hero of... Our hero, Secret Vanilla Ice, realizes something weird's going down, and to make sure the club goers don't panic and stop you know and like stampede out of the club he freestyles like his life depends <laughs> on it a song about everybody let's move vanilla is filled with a new jack groove gonna rock and roll the place with the power of the ninja turtle face Iceman, you know i'm not playing devastate the show what the turtles are saying ninja ninja rock greatest song for a movie so, I, <laughs> vanilla ice somehow intuits that obviously he's he doesn't need to intuit that they are turtles but in a split second he both uh he both wraps his mind around the notion that there are large mutant turtles that they appear to be ninjas or followers of the ancient art of ninjutsu and also that they are not monsters bent on devouring him and he realizes in the same moment I've got to calm this crowd down and also freestyle a rap about these teenage slash mutants slash ninjas. He accepted that base reality very quickly. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> and somehow busts out a pre predetermined dance move, lyrics. Um, oh, yeah, the lyrics are fantastic. Lyrics, fill in the gap. <laughs> That's Drop. my favorite lyric of all time. Lyrics, fill in the gap. Drop that bass and get the ninja rap. <laughs> Feel it. You know what I mean. Give it up for the heroes in green. Just flowing, smooth with the power, kicking it up, hour after hour. <laughs> then he says, because in, in this life, there's only one winner? What the fuck does that mean? First of all, there's four turtles. There's four turtles. What happens? Are they have to go Highlander style? And oh, I'll tell you, who's going to win that? I think Raph would probably win. You think so? Yeah. Oh, that's what everyone says. Oh, Donnie's my man. I'm a Michael. I like. I love Michaelangelo. Wait, are they you're, you're are they... the living embodiment of Michelangelo? <laughs> yeah. So shut up. No, I love him. <laughs> He's now in this fight, would they be allowed to actually use their weapons? Because that could change things. Ooh, that you know, I can, like fucking sausage links. <laughs> I can think of no more Mike Russell move than being armed with a martial arts weapon, going uh 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 quick. Uh, give me that large bass player. <laughs> give me that large stereo bass. Uh, <laughs> swinging it like around very poorly because it's so heavy. <laughs> now around this time, he had uh, he had been interviewed by MTV, and to show the amount of thought that Ice puts into uh, put to puts into the things like uh, yeah, how could how did they consolidate his thought into one interview? Uh, the the M MTV the interview asked him. Um, how he got involved and it's the typical Hollywood thing like you know I got a call from my from the producers and they're like we want you in this movie and I'm a total turtle head so I said yes they said uh, and they were like alright do you do you want to like did the you know did the producers have any say about what they wanted you to say I was like they gave me run in the mill which is the worst thing to do to Vanilla Ice it's just no, just do whatever you come up with just do you Vanilla Ice 
It's kind of full of himself. He says, they give me full run of the mail, and I hit the nail on the head with the ninja rap. <laughs> I wrote the song in a hotel room in 30 minutes. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> he must have woke up hungover and was like, oh, shit. And he was like, I got to film the film. I got to film my scene on my birthday, Halloween. I can't think of a more memorable birthday ever. It's a Ninja Turtles generation running the nation. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Oh, and then it, it, I, I love I love this. They say in the he says in the song they incorporated me in the song and the movie, so I got to film for three weeks on set and learn the true meaning of the Ninja Turtles. In parentheses, Vanilla would not reveal to me the true meaning of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's actually written, which I love. Yo, I got, I will say this though. Uh, I saw a parade, uh, the Thanksgiving Day parade. Um, I don't know if this is this past one or the one before. Um, and they had a Ninja Turtle like float and stuff. And they were playing the new Ninja Turtle song, and I'm gonna tell you, it's it is not good. not good. It is not good. This, this makes you think Ninja Turtles. This makes you want to get up and dance and do ninja moves. This, I mean, yes, he's right. It does. <laughs> Let me scour my memory for my knowledge of ninjutsu. <laughs> Can I read your mind? No. <laughs> Telepathy is not a power of the ninja. I'm stealing all your ninja moves right now, Steve. Keep thinking about them. Man, we are just trampling, trampling over a culture right now. More so than Vanilla Ice did. And that's saying something. That's his whole deal. Let's play some more of this ninja rap. That's your job, Ice. <laughs> yeah, fill in the. It's like one of those greeting cards where you get to write your own message in it. It's like, no, you fill in the gap. Hey, I see that you. Hey, I see that you're down. Picture of like a monkey eating a banana on the front. Open the card up. Nothing inside. Five bucks. <laughs> Sympathies. Fill in the gap. Power, kicking it up hour after hour. Cause in this life, there's only one winner. You better end quick. You can hit the center. In it to win it with a team of four ninja turtles that you got at the door. It's ninja, ninja, rap, ninja, ninja, rap, ninja, ninja. Sorry, I forgot. I, I can't ever pause it when Go Ninja Go Ninja Go Ninja. Can't. That dance move he conjured up for that too is really suggestive. <laughs> oh, the, the pelvic thrust. Yeah, the pelvic. No, the pelvic thrust in conjunction with holding his microphone with both hands, like, like as hard as like gripping as tight as he possibly can, shoving it towards his mouth as quickly as possible. <laughs> It's just, again, this this podcast is not just, I, I brought this up at the beginning, it's not just about bad music, it's about ridiculous music. It's it's clearly not about solely bad music, because this song, I would argue this song, as you, I think, even alluded to, fits perfectly with yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja 2's Secret of the Use. Of the three that I discussed here today, this is the only one I don't have problems with on the merit of incongruity. I have problems on the merit of... Wow, this is like batshit. Although I would love to see <laughs> Superman and Lois fly while the ninja rap is playing in the background instead. <laughs> go, ninja! Go, ninja! Go! Uh, and then Love is a Lethal Weapon is playing during the fight scene in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to mix all of them up. I mean, we could probably get that done, I think. And Mel Gibson is asking Danny Glover if he can read his mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. I can, and I know what he's thinking. Riggs is crazy. 
Riggs, you crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> I did pull up before. We're not going to do it this episode, but I did pull up a super cut of every time he says Riggs over the course of the four movies. It's great. So that's all I got for the day at the movies. Wow. Wow. This has got to be the most boring episode we've <laughs> ever done. I, honest to God, feel like I did nothing but talk now, for the you, time. Steve, you know, you, uh, you went to the helm. You got up there. You did the research. You, you found some fun songs. I have a newfound respect for the work Nick does. Thank you. But it's a respect that will not prevent me from continuing to make fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't expect otherwise. No, Steve, Steve, who does not like to be taken to the movies? You have taken all of our listeners on a journey, I would go so far as to say. On a date? On a date, on a hot date. I took you all out on a hot date. <laughs> Please let me know how I did. Triple feature. I have a card here with uh, it's a star rating. On a number of different metrics. If you could just let me know at the end of the day and just mail this back to me. My address is on the back. Well, really actually, you it. could email it to us at thesongtopsreport at gmail.com. So in, in addition to uh, reviews for Stephen on his dating, you can also uh, suggest songs that you want us to do. We just recently did a listener submission episode. Um, or if you just want to say, hey, you know, that's cool too. Uh, and you can uh, also message us on um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're on all the social medias. Uh, and you can also check us out on our new home at Come Here Floyd. And uh, yeah, and you can check me out personally on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Brigadier and uh, Mr. Mike Russell. Yes, yes, you can find me at MrMikeRussell.com or on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.dot. And yeah, like Nick said, please send us your suggestions, your feedback, your critique. Uh, what thoughts you send out to strangers on trains with your brain yes. to see if they're reading your mind. I'd actually be interested to see. <laughs> yeah. You can send it anonymously. Uh, well, actually, no, you can't. I'll see who sent it. But I'm still curious because I've never done that before. And uh, yeah, Steve? Uh, you may find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Your Man Trollo. Uh, you may find me eventually on... My website, stephentrollinger.com. How is that website coming? It's uh, none of your goddamn business, so <laughs> go fuck yourself. Uh, and uh, yeah, those three places. Again, uh, next week, I think we'll definitely go back to one song. Uh, this was exhausting. I'm not going to do this again for a while, so I apologize to everyone if this was less than the most interesting episode we've had. And just... Nick, I'm probably not going to do what Steve did ever, so... Research? <laughs> Damn it! And yeah, that's it for me. Well, thank you so much for the date, Steve. For, for taking all lot. of us out. Uh, and with, it, it ended as they should, with all of us sweaty and unaware of what just occurred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you find that supercut of uh, Riggs? Uh, you know what? What better way to end the episode on than a supercut of Danny Glover shouting Riggs over and over again? Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm... Riggs! Riggs! Hey, Riggs, you okay? Riggs! Riggs, Riggs, Riggs! Hey, hey, it's a rubber plate, And we will see you next week. Take care. Let's go. Riggs, what do you think? What do you do? What do you think, Riggs? Riggs! Yeah, wait, wait, Riggs, wait! Riggs? Yeah. I can't see shit. Riggs! Riggs! Hold on, Riggs! Hold on! Hey, Riggs! Yeah. You alright, Riggs? Oh, okay. Please, okay. tell the woman, Riggs! Riggs!